Welcome back to Focus. I'm Ron Cisco, and I've got allergies. As a person who tries to focus on on uh, positivity and, and connecting with myself, there's one concept that I end up thinking about a lot, specifically the idea of a personality. When you really think about it, a personality is really a set of rules that defines how you would normally be perceived or how you might act. I don't know what it means specifically because the context of personality seems to change depending on what the subject is or how people want to portray you. It's sometimes a matter of convenience and sometimes it's used for denial or maybe just to explain why you might have acted or, or, or presented things a certain way. Oh, I, I got you that gift because I know you like this. Oh, well, you're always doing this, so I figured this might help. It's, you know, just, I guess, a, a set of expectations, rules. The interesting thing about personality to me is the concept that, at least in my mind, personality is a function of muscle memory. We take the things that we're comfortable with and work towards those things. In a lot of cases, we don't choose those things for ourselves, but we have the opportunity to. So we usually go with what makes us most comfortable. I'm the type of person who, um, when my interest is piqued with something, I become almost obsessed with it. It's not a side you would normally get to know about me if you worked with me or if we were just casual friends. But anytime you would get a look behind the curtain or if you had to spend any amount of time with me, you would know that my focus is direct toward the things that are on my mind. And those, the pursuits of those things becomes relentless. I think it's a side effect of ADD. And it's something I can choose to ignore. But I don't. Because I like it. Because I'm comfortable with that. Because it makes me feel uncomfortable to find something that I have an intense interest in and just let it be. It doesn't end there. It doesn't. You, some people don't like taking medicine. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of taking pills, especially if I don't feel like I need to take pills. But every once in a while, I give myself the excuse, like if I hurt my shoulder really badly. And maybe muscle relaxers this time aren't a bad idea. Or maybe I'm so discomforted with the notion that I need the pills, that I refuse to take them, sometimes for ego. Sometimes just because I don't want to go back on my own rule. Personality, or the concept that I'm kind of providing here, really revolves around comfort. That set of rules is like lines on the road. You can cross them, but you're really performing your best when you're staying within those lines. The problem with that kind of thing is it's, it's like navigating with GPS, you know? And maybe, maybe sometimes those automatic things aren't such a great idea. For the most part, using your personality as a guideline has served you well. You're still alive. You've become comfortable with who you are. Maybe that's a good thing, and maybe some people don't like you as much. I know that I have a problem with maybe being a little too honest it's not that I like hurting people. I just like 
not having my words minced. I like being clear about what I'm trying to say. I like not having to spend a lot of time trying to find the softest way to say something for fear that my words might mean less. You see, that's one of those things that's bred out of discomfort or the lack of the want of discomfort. Experience has taught me that when I employ tact, that sometimes the meaning of my words gets lost in interpretation. That's why I just cut to the point. And that doesn't work for everyone, and that's fine. Some people are more afraid of the discomfort of insulting or, or hurting someone else. And to me, there's a balance. And that's not to say that I'm incapable of using tact. And that's one of those things that people kind of hide behind, is the idea that their personality means it's an excuse for the way that they act. I know that my responsibility lies in, my, in the power of my words. When I speak to you that I'm choosing between tact and honesty. And sometimes it's important to deploy tact. I know that there's a responsibility for me to make those choices for myself and not just say the nastiest thing I can find and say, sorry, that's just the way I am. There's a, there's a wisdom in self-awareness that goes, I would say, actually fairly appreciated. I think one of the concepts that people look for when they consider whether or not to listen to someone, and maybe they don't know it, but that that, that person can be self-aware. Self-awareness gives you the opportunity to take your patterns and change them however briefly or however permanently is necessary. There can definitely be things about yourself that you don't like, and that's actually completely healthy. You could look back at your pattern or your history of making decisions or actions and determining what the results are and say, I didn't like the way these things turned out, and I'm pretty sure this is the reason why. And you can listen to yourself. That's self-awareness. You listen to yourself. You take a moment, and, and it doesn't have to be before you open your mouth. You can always stop yourself. You can always say, wait, I'm sorry. This is, not, this is not what I mean. And you can back up, and instead of doubling down because you're embarrassed, you can change that. You can change that in a moment. It seems kind of strange that a person like me, who defines as a realist, might run a podcast about general positivity and, and call it a spirituality podcast. But that's what we do here. And that's because I initiated within myself a pattern of change. I don't think there's actually a conflict between the concept of realism and the concept. And it's because of that actual self-realization where I listened to the words that I was saying and what they meant and how I felt and how it pushed me and said, wait a second, do I always have to be the negative in the situation? Now, that's not to say that that doesn't still exist in my life, but when I think of it, it's not what I push on to other people. But Ron, I hear you saying, I thought you just said that you don't like using tact, and that's absolutely true. I think tact is a waste of time. Not always. But generally speaking, I feel like tact doesn't deliver the message that I try to convey. 
But that doesn't mean that my place needs to be a negative place. And I made that decision for myself. At some point I said, I'm not comfortable with being this negative all the time. The truth is, I believe that you can do it. Because I told myself that you can do it. I started saying to myself that this is something I think you're capable of. And that's a rough change to make, especially with so much negativity everywhere we look. It doesn't matter if it's Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or the news or your workplace. Everyone comes with such a bad attitude because they feel bad about something. It makes it easier to live in a world where you're miserable if you're trying to make other people miserable. Because then you're on the same plane. But think about it, when you're upset and you see someone who's really happy, instead of saying, hey, I'm really happy for that person, you're probably thinking, what could they possibly be so happy about? It's your own world that colors your perception of someone else. I'm going to come clean about this one. I, I edited that one. I actually dropped an F-bomb on, on that. Kind of, I had to re-record that. So now that you're taking the time to be self-aware of the fact that you make decisions based on your comfort level and the fact that you might not like your decision-making pattern, you know you can change it. You don't need me to tell you that you can change it. You know you can change it. Anyone who says that I can't change needs either one of two things. They need to either stop making excuses for themselves or they need help. And needing help isn't a problem. Anyone who needs help or can admit to needing help deserves it. And you can tell the difference between those two people. Because a person who is making excuses for themselves, they say, I can't because. But a person who needs help says, I want to, but I need help which is an oddly similar message to what I think I just said last week. It's a scary thing to take a pattern that you're comfortable with. Even if you don't like the results, you're still comfortable with the pattern. To take that pattern and say, I need to change it. Because you don't know where you're going to end up. You're comfortable. That's the whole point. It's the devil you know, not the devil you don't. There's an easy choice to make here. When you decide to make a change, you need to leave out everyone else. I see a lot of my friends or, or colleagues attempt to make changes and they can't because they're worried about what other people think or have heard negative things that other people have said. You're not always the best judge of what's good for you, but that's not always for everyone to determine. You have to be self-aware. If you know that a change needs to be made within you, you need to make that change. And there's something innately scary about me telling you that because sometimes that means bad things. It seems like our perception of the world is colored by the lens that we look through. And sometimes it's scary for me because I don't know what your lens looks like. And I would love to know, but it's not 
It's not mine to look through. Today, I wrote a couple of haikus. Not, I don't write haikus as a pursuit of art. I just really like doing it. To me, like puns, it's a great exercise of the brain. Something that you do to change the way you look at something. I love haikus because they provide a structure, a new rule set, like a GPS of your road. Five, seven, five. Five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. It's a Japanese poetry art. And generally speaking, it's there to describe nature or a scene. But I like using it as an expression of feeling. When you cut everything you want to say down to a five, seven, five, you have to kind of compose yourself. I like that concept, composing. And it's something we do on a daily basis. Everything from Facebook messages to work emails to when we text our parents or your significant other. Rather than just go in a stream of consciousness, you will stop and think, what are the important things that I need to say here? And you can tell every once in a while on Facebook especially that sometimes the stream of consciousness happens and no composition is made and maybe a lack of punctuation. That in and of itself is a beautiful thing. Even if it seems wild and unmitigated, sometimes a little crazy, you're getting raw expression. Somebody had something on their chest and they just needed to pour their heart out somewhere, obviously on the worst forum possible. But when you do something like an exercise to, to think about how you feel about something, you, you change how you think you feel about something. You reevaluate your feelings. You reprioritize them. Which is so different from how we feel about things in general. The truth of the matter is your favorite song is different from moment to moment. You listen to music and you have what you would call a favorite song. It's the moment that, that you, you feel great that you chase with that song. But sometimes you're upset and your favorite song won't do it. And you know it's your favorite song. But you want to listen to something else and you'll hook on to something else. Your mood changes that. Your appreciation of those things changes. I know that I have a favorite song. I know that there's a song out there that I want to say expresses me as a person, but that's, that's a forced opinion. It doesn't always express me in that moment. So haikus don't just give me the opportunity to reframe how I'm feeling but also give me the opportunity to look at the world in a way that maybe I wasn't looking at it before. Sometimes it seems counterproductive, but it's something you do in photography. When you stand looking at nature, the vastness of it, you're not perceiving it the way you see it. The way we use vision is so complicated. It's so counterproductive even. The rods and cones are situated towards the center of your gaze. You don't see color outside of that 20 degree mark. And yet, the center of your gaze, that, that 3% of attentive detail, your brain won't always pick up the changes in that detail. 
Think of it as image compression. You're taking in so much information and your your ability to see isn't isn't just a flat image the way you would look at it in a monitor. You have 3D vision and you can you can reconstruct information based on what you're taking in. And your eyesight flickers. Some of us do do more than others. But the amount of data that you're taking into your brain, that that there's a limitation there. The truth of the matter is most of the detail and information about movement are taken in by your peripherals. I'm not just making this up. This is science, something I'm much more aware of now that I'm aware of how blind we are when we drive. So what you do as a photographer, if you've ever been into photography, is take a moment that you experience with your eyes and transform that in your brain and attempt to take the image that you found in your brain and recomposite that in your camera. Anyone who says that photography is just taking pictures is only right in the limited sense that when people just take pictures, they are just taking pictures. However, and this is going to sound strange because it's really helped me appreciate the selfie world, when you've imagined a photo and then you try to capture that specific photo that's when photography becomes art and so many people get so upset about duck face or Facebook angles or Instagram angles they don't realize that that curating that image is the pursuit of of imagination so looking at the world through an imaginary lens helps you change the world not from the outside, but from the way you look at it. If I were to write a haiku right now, I could look around the room. Let's see. Um, there's a couch. I've got a bunch of sound foam up on the wall. The, uh, the door to my patio is open. The catio, as we like to call it here. We have three cats, and they like to spend some time outside, so we leave it open as much as we can. Uh, I have a fan. There's a cat sitting at the top of the cat tree, He's sleeping. At least I think he's sleeping. He's okay. Well, his tail's dancing a little bit. Okay. Well, his name is Dean. His name is Dean, by the way. This is our big fluffy cat. He's he's beautiful, but sullen. Um, Dean sleeps in the tree. Dean sleeps in the tree. That's five. Dean sleeps in the tree. Yep. Uh, I wonder if the cold night air. I wonder if the cold night air. Oh, that's eight. Uh, cold night, yeah, air. Will bother him. Will bother him. That's fine. Okay, yeah. Um, so w w I just wanted to take this through like a, a kind of unedited thought process. Sometimes the dual meaning of something in a haiku can kind of appear. I just said, Dean sleeps in the tree. That's my first line. I wonder if the cold night, I've set up some sort of emotional tension. But I'm thinking about that because the, the door is open next to him. He's sleeping on the cat tree next to the open door. I wonder, and it's supposed to be colder tonight. That's my awareness of the environment. We're losing 16 degrees day over day because we live in Minnesota. Yeah, that's great.
I wonder if the cold night air will bother him. So it's the other five. And I have a connection to the second line. Dean sleeps in the tree. I wonder if the cold night air will bother him. And that's a haiku. In a, in a nutshell, I've taken my perception of the world and, uh, and just given it definition through forcing a lens on my environment. I think it's worth trying. This is the kind of exercise you can take upon yourself to be more aware of the world that you take for granted. I don't mean to make that seem like a negative thing. We take everything for granted. But just take a look around. Take a look at yourself. Write about how you feel. I guess if I were to look inwardly in my emotional state, um, I'm at this moment about a week away from leaving my job in pursuit of other things, other YouTube aspirations, full-time Twitch streaming. And so I look back at my three years with my current employer. Um, and the funny thing about haiku is when you write it for yourself, it... It doesn't need to be award-winning. And they could be epic. It doesn't have to be just one phrase, but we'll just work on a short one. Um, I leave work in one week. That's six. I've done all I can do. I hope I... Didn't, um, okay. Okay. No, I got it. I leave work in one week. That's six. I've done all I can. That's five. I hope I helped someone. That's five. Six. That was six. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Great. And looking at that, that phrase, it's not what we would consider a perfect haiku. But when you compose something, you can kind of move those things around. But we're just, we're just kind of working on, on making it fit the message. I leave one, work in one, leave work in one week. I've done all I can. I hope I helped someone. And that's how I feel in a haiku. And now I'm aware of how I feel because I made sure that the haiku was true to my message while still f um, falling within the lens that I was looking through. Those are the kind of weird exercises I participate in with myself. Self-awareness isn't as simple as looking at something and saying, I know how I feel about that. It's analysis. You can't make change if you look at the world the same way you've been looking at it the whole time, you can't realize that something needs to change if you're only using the same data every single time. There's a pattern of acknowledgement. Feeling your feelings, that's discomforting. It's scary. When you really feel how you feel, that's a loss of control. 
feeling happiness, that's, I mean, that's great. Everybody loves to be happy. What could possibly go wrong when you're happy? But all of the other feelings, sadness, disappointment, those come with baggage. Anger, fear, those drive reactions. Emotional awareness is so important to that equation. And acknowledging that you have those feelings rather than burying them is such an important key to making those changes in your life. If you want to make those changes. And I think we as humans, we as people, need to make changes. They don't, when you stay stagnant, you're just a placeholder. When you grow, you give definition to your being. And that comes back to that muscle memory concept I brought up at the beginning. What we look at as personality, that's our comfort zone. When we look at muscle memory as a product of that. When we look at how we would change that. In the same way you would train yourself when you were driving a car or a motorcycle. You'd practice those things. You wouldn't just, in your mind, there's a very, very scant few of us who can just make the change immediately in, in their minds. And I can do it when shooting. Sometimes. But for the rest of us, making a full change requires thousands of rounds. Requires hundreds of miles on the road requires hundreds of practice kicks. Have you ever changed your handwriting? I've done it twice. Unfortunately, over the years, I've done less and less handwriting, so it's become illegible again. But I remember when I was in fifth grade, I saw, I saw my handwriting. Not only barely legible, but ugly. Ugly. I didn't even want to look at it. And I saw this, this girl, um, I remember her name being Melissa. I don't remember her last name. And she had the coolest looking handwriting I've ever seen. And it wasn't my intention to steal her handwriting, but I use it as an inspiration. And I practiced until the swoops and the lines started to make sense. I didn't keep that. I changed it again later. But... That, that practice, that handwriting, handwriting is so instinctual. Someone gives you a pen and you just start writing. And sometimes when you want to make it more legible, you concentrate. You, you spend time making sure that you're doing the best you can. And it looks different from your original handwriting. And I, I fully changed the shapes of my letters. And I knew it was going to be possible because I had also changed my accent. See, I'm a transplant. I live in Minnesota right now, but I'm from Connecticut. And just the same, I didn't want to be different. And I used to get made fun of for my accent. And so I've neutralized that accent. I, I decided to fit in. But that's still there. 
I can go back to it. Sometimes I do go back to it, especially when I'm tired. There's some words that I'm not so good at saying yet. I'm still working on those. But it all became a matter of muscle memory. A matter of practicing. A matter of correcting myself. I remember a lot of the the different nuances in, in language. It's so strange that we can speak the same language and approach it so differently. From Walk. Hi, my name is Ron. I'm from Connecticut. I used to live in Norwalk, and um, we used to go to the ocean all the time. Hi, my name is Ron. I lived in Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. I used to live in Norwalk, and we used to go to the ocean all the time. It's still there. I'm still capable, but this is my default now. I speak like this most of the time now. That's muscle memory. Fifth grade me knew change was possible. Fifth grade me worked relentlessly to make sure that change was possible. I don't know when we started thinking that change was too hard. But that's a mistake. If you need to make a change, you can do it. Fifth grade me can do it. So there's that message that I wanted to give you since the beginning of this. Since I made that change for myself. The power of positivity. Coming from a positive viewpoint. I believe that you can do this. Because I've told myself that you can do this. And so I'm telling you. You can do this. Focus is a Patreon supported podcast. I love saying that because that's my muscle memory. It's a great way to end the show for me. This one's a little bit longer because it means a lot to me. Um, I've always really thought about personality and, and how I, I like to express myself. And I've never accepted I can't change as an excuse. I want to thank my Patreon backers, Vigilante, Anastasia Beaverhausen, and the White Prince for your continued support. You guys are keeping the lights on, and I appreciate you so much. And for everyone who's listening, for everyone who's listening, thank you so much. I didn't mean to make that seem cheaper, but, but no, I do appreciate your time. I hope it means something to you. I hope, I hope that the time is spent doing this, that if you're listening, that it means something, that you, you can think back on it. Maybe you have an opinion. Maybe you think I'm completely wrong. Maybe it starts a fire. That's fine. Let's hear about it. I'd love to talk about it. You can find me at focusbycisco.com. There's tons of contact information there, including like the actual podcast. There's, there's a comment section. You can email me at ron at focusbycisco.com, S-I-S-K-O, or on Twitter, at focusbycisco. I would love to have a conversation about this, about anything, about anything you'd want to say or anything you'd like to hear about. I hope that if you share this episode with someone, it's because it meant something to you and not because you think they need to hear it. I'll see you when the plot requires it, which will be next week. Boy, do we have some crazy things happening next week. Until next time, be excellent to each other.